Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Gerard, right, found out tonight. Nothing, player. We mustn't forget that it's been raining, so the pitch is quite... It's been raining! What's the goalie doing, Saul? What's the goalie doing? Have we seen the moment pass? But it might have happened. Let's hope not. Hulahan. Inviting his there! Hello and welcome back to Monty May's favourite football podcast, the Barstoolers podcast. I'm your host, Connell, joined this week by my usual co-host, Ronan, and we've got someone stepping in in place of Mixer. Mixer has a pretty hectic schedule these days with college and work and, and things like that. So the last minute we've managed to get someone else in. We're joined by uh, Extra Time Die writer Ryan Kilban. So I'll introduce you to Ryan in just a moment, but just at the top of the show, a couple of things to say. As always, go over to us on Twitter, at Barstoolers, where you can follow us, and at Barstoolers Pod on Instagram, and anything to do with the show, you'll you'll see there on our social media. And then just a quick shout out to Lemur. We took place in the Lemur Social Audio Football Championships over the last month, uh, which was a competition for uh, podcast creators. Uh, on their platform and we finished third in the competition so we got a podium finish which we're really happy with and lemur were great they're going to send us out some stuff and also sent us a 100 euro amazon voucher for the podcast which we have uh, invested directly back into the podcast so this time next week hopefully me and rowan will have better quality mics so hopefully that uh, increases the quality of the show um but yeah, just on today's show, we're going to be talking to Ryan a bit about what he does. We're going to be going through some funny stuff that's happened during the week, uh, some more standard football stuff like AFCON and some football transfers that have happened. Uh, and we're going to be going through the greatest of all time 
African 11 uh, after doing our top three players to watch in AFCON last week. AFCON's just started, so we'll talk about the greatest African players. And as always, we'll have the Neil Warnock Award and Mathieu Flamini quiz. But uh, yeah, so that's all the housekeeping out of the way. So as I said, we're joined this week by Ryan Kilban from extratime.ie. Thanks very much for coming on, Ryan. And yeah, how are you? Yeah, no, thanks for having us on, lads. Um, yeah, happy to be here. Um, all good, yeah. Just um, quiet enough weekend, just watching a bit of AFCON, a bit of FA Cup. And yeah, it was all pretty good. Yeah, um, the reason I know you, Ryan, is because you've contributed to Pogba magazine uh, like I have. And you've got a couple of really good pieces over the last couple of issues. You had a piece uh, on German football in sort of the period of uh, the divide of the country into West Germany and East Germany. But in the most recent issue, one of my favourite pieces in the entire magazine was a piece on Velibor Militunovic, I think. He was a Serbian football manager who I had never heard of. Uh, Can you tell us what that piece was about? Because I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, Yeah, cheers. Um, So, yeah, he's a Serbian football manager. I'm pretty sure it's Militanovic, but your guess is as good as mine. Um, Yeah, so... um, Manager, he never really managed any club sides in Europe. He he played football briefly in Europe. Um, he's from like a football family. His brother, uh, Milos, is like one of the all-time best Serbian players. Um, kind of had an average playing career throughout Europe. Um, towards the end of his career, went to Mexico to manage. Um, ended up getting a job at a club team in Mexico, and then ended up managing their national team at the '86 World Cup. Um, but then after that, he just went on this mad, like consistent run of he managed five different countries at five different World Cups in a row. And I don't know, I just thought it was a bit mad when I first heard about it. Like, he, like I was crossing for like 20 years or so, you know, when you think of always think of like World Cups every four years and like that's such a big gap. So to manage five in a row and then for actually to be different countries as well, like uh, managing different continents. So we managed Mexico, USA. Uh, Nigeria, China, and Costa Rica. So, like, it's like a real like, eclectic mix. And yeah, I just hadn't heard of him before and uh, randomly came across him and just looked, basically, just read about him. And also, kind of like weird things about when he, um, like, his parents died, also fighting against the Nazis in World War II and stuff like that as well. So, yeah, it's just, it's really interesting. Just, I thought, thought it'd be worthwhile writing about it. Yeah, brilliant. brilliant. Fascinating stuff. And um, you also write for ExtraTime.e. You are a Shamrock Rovers fan. Uh, yeah. For your sins, as Adam Hurry exactly. of Football I was just going to say, as they would say, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, we sort of pride ourselves with sort of being an Irish equivalent of that podcast. Brilliant. Um, but um, yeah, so obviously, I'm sure you're happy out as a Shamrock Rovers fan at the minute. Two league titles on the bounce. Um, what are your hopes for next season? Presumably just a third title and maybe improving in the other competitions? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, to be honest, it's been, it's been pretty good. Like we've been really kind of consistent without even at some times, without being flashy at times, just like really kind of possession-based, like controlling games, grinding teams down and, you know, almost kind of like Man City-esque if, you know, if that's not too much of a, a leap. Um Jack Bourne's coming back, which is massive. I think uh, because that was because the signing was announced a few months ago. I think I almost think people have kind of forgotten that. Like mm-hmm. in a way, it's John Neil cycle move so fast. But um, 
big thing I think is Europe this year. Um, a lot of people are disappointed that we missed out on the in the, to the in the Conference League to uh, Levadia Talon, but uh, they actually ended up being pretty decent. Um, in the over the two games, they're actually worthy winners. But um, yeah, I think yeah, continue like going the league and push a bit more in Europe. Yeah, I think everyone 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 would be pretty happy with that. Yeah, we've just started a sort of League of Ireland offshoot show here on the podcast uh, that we're kind of doing as much as we can, really. But yeah. ultimately, it's going to be kind of sparingly because just the time constraints. Um, but yeah, we'll definitely have a preview for the 2022 season and uh, perhaps we'll get you back on for that. Yeah, that'll give me a shout. Yeah, no worries. Yeah. And I remember you went on the Pogma Gold podcast, as I did recently, uh, to talk about your piece in the last issue of Pogma Gold. Um, energy drinks and Stassi links, which is a fantastic uh, name for the piece yes. on the, that period of, of German football. Uh, and I noticed at the in, sort of in the introduction of the show, you made an interesting sort of well, you shared something interesting. You're actually quite a good footballer, and uh, you went over with a, for a couple of trials in England with a couple of clubs, and that's just kind of a perspective that we haven't had on this podcast at all. So what was what was that like? Was it a good experience? Was it possibly a bad experience? Um, I'd have no idea. Yeah, um, yeah. Look, Jesus, it sort of feels like a you know a lifetime ago now at this point. But yeah, it was it was a good good uh, good experience. I to be honest, I was a bit of a realist. Like I was kind of like I was like I'm probably not gonna you know be a pro. Like, but I was kind of on in that in between bracket. So yeah, mm-hmm. had a couple of trials. Went to QPR. Not Forest and Plymouth when they were in the championship. Um, couple of lads on my team like signed pro deals with clubs and stuff like that as well. So yeah, look, it kind of feels like a million years ago, but you, you occasionally just like remember stuff. Like I was chatting to one of the lads that signed for Leicester for an interview recently and just talking about his career and like he's played like some big players and even randomly came across some match that we played with a trial match for Forest recently and you know your man Jamal Lascelles was playing centre back with me that day and, and Patrick Bamford was playing up front and I, I didn't really even know who they were at the time yeah. like but um yeah it's a bit mad but nah, it was a good experience but yeah I was like kind of kind of realist about it like I was just kind of happy enough to get that far you know still yeah, rock the the old kits of five aside no the very odd time you know and that's a bit of a new year's resolution so back in the gym and gonna try to play a little bit for five side but yeah never never really played Sunday league around i don't know why but yeah i play a little bit five side every now and then yeah we were playing five side recently uh with a lad who used to play with shelburne kind of that like was... a, a shell sort of reject but like he, he just took football way too seriously Correct. like he was absolutely milling into lads and at one stage he actually said give it to the six which, uh, right, okay, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a five side, first yeah, of all. Yeah, so. there is. So, who, who are you passing to? Yeah. <laughs> I just, the four, yeah. maybe. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, yeah, that's kind of that for that. We're going to move on now um, to maybe any funny stuff that you've seen during the week. Maybe you have something lined up for this, Ronan. But uh, something that stood out to me was obviously with the start of AFCON, 30 seconds into the first game uh, between Cameroon and Burkina Faso. <laughs> There was a yellow card because someone just absolutely, as I said just a moment ago, absolutely milled into someone. I'm not sure who the players were involved. Steve Iago really... was the Burkina Faso player. Yeah, well, yeah, he could be a, a Neil Warnock Award nominee possibly later on. But uh, yeah, just thought that was brilliant. Um, I suppose maybe it's not so much funny, but just something that I was kind of interested. Mohamed Salah did a sort of photo shoot for an interview with GQ this week and he was dripped out. 
It was great to see. I really enjoyed that. Um, yeah, very trippy. Yeah, fantastic. What were your thoughts on that, Roman? Brilliant. I had the had the Adidas originals on as well. I have to read it. Like, uh, I, 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 always on, I think. I don't know. I just maybe it's a stupid thing, but I'm a sucker for footballers wearing classic kits. Like, I don't know. I, I just like it. I think it's cool. Um, something else funny I saw this week. I actually saw it today on Twitter. Apparently, this, the Confederation of African Football had their own live stream of one of the matches taken down off YouTube for copyright infringement upon themselves. <laughs> Friendly fire. Absolutely, absolutely mental decision. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I see what the, what the tweet said about it here. Yeah, AFCON, they had their own stream for, between Burkina Faso and Cameroon taken round for copyright infringement upon itself. Superb. And... And yesterday, Tapsoba got stretched off for Burkina Faso. And as soon as he got off the pitch, they put him down and he got up and got back onto the pitch. <laughs> he got stretched off and went back on. That's brilliant. Yeah, it's absolutely <laughs> mental. Um, one thing I just noticed, I, I tried to look up on Twitter as it happened and like no one really took notice of it. But when I was watching a bit of FA Cup at the weekend, um, one of your old clubs, if you can say that, Ryan, uh, Nottingham Forest against Arsenal, obviously great win for Forest, but at one stage, they were talking about Arsenal's all-white kit, uh, which I thought looked really well on. Geez, I thought looked really well on pitch. Uh, I love an all-white kit, you know, and uh, for, for a fantastic cause, of course, sort of highlighting uh, the amount of stabbings in London in twenty twenty-one. Um, and they were talking about that, and Ali McCoist was on co commentary, which is always a good thing. And uh, he was saying that Glasgow have actually done a really good job at cutting down on on knife crime uh, in the city. And he was talking about how great that was. And he said, yeah, Glasgow, you know, they've done a, a really good job there. And at that stage, Arsenal had whipped in a free kick and the keeper just came and collected it. And Sam Matterface thought it was a good time to say, well, that was not a good job by Arsenal. <laughs> they had that set piece, which I just thought was just so tone deaf and uh, yeah, I've seen your tweet actually yeah I agree it's massively yeah just pure partridge like <laughs> read the room um, yeah Matterface is just the pits what yeah, an awful like commentator is he like ex-Soccer AM or something or am I misremembering that uh, Sky Sports I think Sky Sports yeah yeah no, uh, not very partridge as well like kind of just like proves how like much of it is like cliche and an autopilot you just like use like certain things like certain lines that yeah, shouldn't be using it there. Yeah, he's just horrendous as well. Like, if you just, you know, search on Twitter, Sam Matterface, because he's looking forward to see if anyone made a comment about that. But just generally just all negative comments because he's just so, he's not a good commentator at all. He's very boring. Uh, yeah, Ronan, what's your what's your thoughts on him? Because uh, I can't imagine it's any different. Well, is, is, he, is he BT, is he? No, ITV. See, he does all the England games yeah. on ITV, so he'd kind of be more of a big deal over there than here. I, I can't say I don't. I'll be completely honest. Yeah. Um, I yeah, think I it was know. controversial that he took over from, was it Clive Tilsley as well? I think a lot of people were complaining about that. Um, but yeah, like we, like you said, I don't. we don't get him all the time, probably thankfully. Is uh, Does Ali McCoy do the co-commentary on those games for ITV as well? Is it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know, you, lose, you win some, you lose some. Um, but I suppose just going on to the more straight cup football activities this week. Uh, as we previewed last week, the African Cup of Nations has started. 
Um, I have not watched as much as I'd like to, really, just with being busy. Uh, but have you watched any games? I watched the opening game. I watched a little bit of the Cape Verde game after that because of Roberto Lopez. Just wanted to see how he was doing. And I'm just after watching the second half of Nigeria uh, against Egypt, 1-0 win for the Super Eagles. Um, but have you got to see any of the tournaments so far? I, I've seen, I only watched one match and it was the last half an hour of the Senegal match that they won 1-0. Man, they scored in the last minute. Um, other than that, I have, I had meant to watch more, but just I just haven't gotten around to it. I'll probably watch a bit tomorrow because I am currently isolating at the minute because there is COVID in my house, which I don't have, but I still have to isolate for a few days. So I'll probably end up passing time with a few of those matches. Um, yeah, I, I watched a little bit, but not loads. Um, watched the Cape Verde match, just m- basically mostly because uh, Roberto Lopez was playing. Um, like I wouldn't be, I don't think I ever would, wouldn't wouldn't have watched the Cape Verde match before that. But um, yeah, it was it was okay. Like it was early sending off, kind of, kind of like made it not ruined the game. But you know when that happens, sometimes the flow of the game just kind of goes and. Uh, Cape Verde were the better team and they deserved to win in the end. Um, watched the Egypt and Nigeria, um, the whole match there. It was actually pretty good. Like The quality was pretty good. I thought Egypt were probably going to win at the start. Maybe I'm just assuming that because of Salah, but Nigeria were the better team and Ian Acho's goal was a cracker as well. So yeah, they were already winners. Did you see that instance sort of nearing the end of the game where like I didn't really see any replays or anything, but it looked like a stonewall penalty for Egypt. And it kind of, it went to like a VAR check and like it, it went once or twice before the referee ended up like bringing it back and saying, take the goal kick or, or the free kick. Oh yeah, yeah. They were around the referee. I didn't actually see the replay of it though. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm not certain either way what, what if it was or wasn't. Yeah, no, they, they seemed to get in like a tangle of bodies sort of. And uh, I'm not sure who the Nigerian player was. I think it was Simon. I think he ended up actually kind of pulling on his ankle, like literally, like with his hand. Like it looked like a stone up penalty to me. Uh, but perhaps he was offside or something like that. I, yeah, yeah I, I kind of missed it. Um, so yeah, looking forward to watching a bit more this week, hopefully. And we'll get on to our African 11 in just a bit. Um, but again, the FA Cup started over the weekend, as I touched upon earlier. Did you get to see any of this? Uh, because there was a couple of shock results, uh, most notably, I suppose, Cambridge United beating Newcastle United at St. James's Park, no less. I saw Cambridge and I watched, obviously, I watched Liverpool match as well. Uh, discussing them both games by the use of people doing the Suge celebration. Yeah, it's just... Against United is acceptable, but doing it against Liverpool and doing it against <laughs> yeah, Newcastle, exactly, I just yeah. uh, absolutely <laughs> temper behaviour. Um, I actually, I was actually, I wasn't even happy for Gamebridge after I saw that. I was genuinely like, <laughs> Newcastle should have gone through. Um, I don't I know. Do I'm like in the only boat for this. I I don't like cup upsets. I I want what? to see. I want. To see, <laughs> no, I want to see City hammer Swindon eight 0 This is what the cup is. What it should be. It's the real it's magic of the cup. It's way funnier seeing a lower league team get the hopes up and just have De Bruyne smash five past you. It's way better. I think it, it's hilarious. It was. It uh, can be funny, actually, now that, you've, yeah, now that you explain it. Yeah, yeah. It was very funny to see. Uh, it wasn't in the FA Cup. It was the League Cup where City played Burton Albion a couple of years ago. We ended up actually watching that at your house, Ronan. We didn't specifically go yeah. for this game. But uh, yeah, it was on. And was it? 8-0 City or something? It was 9-0 and they were still <laughs> trying to score like in the 85th <laughs> yeah, minute. still going for it. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
Well, like uh, Dundalk beating half loan 11 nil in the semi final. Yeah, yeah. Could have just, I, could have just stopped at half time last year. I had I had money on them to win um, eight nil or something, and I had to cash out because they were going to score too many. It was mental, oh, yeah. like yeah, um, yeah, brilliant. Uh, there was other upsets as well. Kidderminster Harriers bet somebody. I can't quite. It's Reading, I think the bet. Uh, Ronan, someone you know actually used to play for Kidderminster Harriers. We've got lots of plugs for. Oh yes, yes, yes. Uh, for also yeah, the lad we met from. Um... Oh yeah. Oh Bellator from Kidderminster. What was his name again? Oh, I don't know. The MMA fighter we ended up talking. I to. think Same I still. Man. Yeah, we end up sitting beside his family, um, and he came up and sat beside us, and he bought us nachos. He was great, great crack. And he was literally just after getting knocked out with a head kick, like. Yeah, I I think I still follow him on. Yeah, I think I'm friends with him. Oh, uh, David uh, David Kalsa. Kalsa, yes, that's his name. There we go. Quick, yeah. quick shout out to David Kalsa. Um, yeah, I suppose that's really the main storylines of the FA Cup. Again, Sam Matterface on Sunday was really bigging up the weekend as the weekend of giant killings, and it's like not really like Newcastle got knocked out, like as I said, Reading got knocked out against Kidderminster, and with one more. I think like Plymouth bet Birmingham, but like, you know, I get another shout out for one of your side, Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it was just all right, wasn't it? FA Cup tends to get worse as it goes along because you don't get those games then. Yeah. Like uh, watching Spurs away to Maureen last year was fantastic. Vinicius doing the, the Mbappe celebration after scoring a tap in. Where's Arsenal now? He was this, is, this is what I mean. This is what I mean. Why I want to see clubs doing that against the small teams. I want I want Man United to be playing against a non-league team and taking it far too seriously. Pogba <laughs> scoring four goals from outside the box. I remember actually um, around 2011 or so, United, I think, would have been champions at the time. It was under Ferguson. And uh, they played Crawley Town at home. I think Crawley Town were like from the sixth division at the time. They ended up only being one nil. It was quite hairy, uh, but yeah, Carlos Vinicius, he's playing for PSV. Of course, he is. Yeah, totally forgot he existed. Actually, useless. Honestly, honestly, absolutely useless. Um, quickly, there. I don't know how much this is going to develop, but Liverpool might be under investigation for basically faking COVID tests because. I thought it was really, I, I didn't think it was fishy, but I thought it was funny that they got the game against Arsenal, called off, closed the training ground for a day, and then opened it the next day. And um, Ronan, perhaps you know more about this being a Liverpool fan. Is there any updates to that? No, I just, I don't really care. It's it's a nothing story, I think. Like, everybody's going, I was like, oh, they 100% faked all the false positives. I was like, no, what happens? <laughs> Little and Tesco had to recall all their action tests because they were giving back too many false positives. You'd assume that if Liverpool players were all doing the same tests, if there was one faulty one, there's more likely to be more faulty ones. Liverpool, not even Liverpool, um, Ireland, the start, they had, remember um, Adam Ida and, and, and Aaron Conley, and there was another player, uh, couldn't play in that game against Slovakia in the, in the playoff. And then it came out that they were false positives. Like, these things happen. I really don't think it's some big conspiracy from Liverpool that they were just trying to... I don't know. I just think it's a nothing story. I mean, people were already pissed off that Liverpool, Liverpool got that game called off, even though every other team in the Premier League has had games called off because of COVID over, over the Christmas period. But once Liverpool were doing it, it was like, oh, it's the fucking biggest deal in the world. 
I, I don't know. I mean, I can kind of see where people are coming from, but I really think people are just making a mountain out of a molehill. I really don't think it's that big of a deal. I think the only reason I kind of read into it is because I was in a PlayStation party with uh, Mixer the other day, and I was giving out to them, I was like, Liverpool are scumbags getting that done. And then it came out that they might be under investigation. I was like, ah, I knew it. <laughs> but yeah, as you said, it's it's probably a non-runner. Um, and actually just rolling, you, you're after mentioning that playoff against Slovakia, and it just reminded me of the uh, the WhatsApp message, boss man Steel being raised. Boss that was boss the man Steel, not happy. <laughs> Just reminded so, me of Connor Hurahan's miss as well. How that oh, scene that my nightmares for days after. Was it Alan Brown's was worse, wasn't it? He had no oh, yeah, one. yeah, that was pretty bad too, actually. Yeah. We should oh, we should have won that game. Like uh, so well, bad. We're in a better place now. Well, it seems like <laughs> yeah. it anyway. Um yeah, and then sort of the final part of football and activities, as Karlanka would say this week. Uh Kieran Trippier has gone to Newcastle, but we kinda we touched upon that last week. We kind of talked about that. So we'll just move on from that one. Uh, a major one, absolutely major one, was Felipe Coutinho on loan to Aston Villa. Uh, you know, if you said this in 2018, when he had moved to Barcelona for, was it 140 million euros, and Aston Villa were managed by Steve Bruce in the championship, you wouldn't believe it. It's it's an outrageous transfer. Do I think this will improve Villa that much? Probably not. You know, I don't know if he's really the type of player that's going to, you know, they're 13th at the moment. I don't think he's going to improve them massively, but the image of Felipe Coutinho in an Aston Villa shirt is absolutely mental. Uh, I suppose Ronan, you're a Liverpool fan. How much do you think he'll help them or will he? I don't know. Maybe they've brought him in because Emi Buendia hasn't really had the impact people thought he would. Because Buendia was very good at Norwich, was he at? And I actually said, I think we both said at the start of the season, we thought they would be fine without Grealish because Buendia has that creative spark as well. It's turned out not to be that way. I mean, look, if they get Coutinho, that, the Coutinho that was at Liverpool, particularly his last 18 months at Liverpool, I, they've got a great signing and uh, they've gotten a lot of creativity in that midfield now that they're desperately lacking. Um, it's just depending on whether they do get that Coutinho. I suppose he has something to prove, but he's also been very injury prone since he went to Barcelona. Um, not counting back injuries that he gets on international duty. Um, I don't know. I, I yeah, I don't know. I suppose it's just one of those ones you have to wait and see what happens because yeah, he can be class, but he hasn't done anything for four years now. Yeah, because that is possibly living off a bit of a reputation. But, like, he did win the Champions League, like, 18 months ago. I don't, he wasn't that important to that Bayern side. But, yeah, as I said, just kind of an unbelievable, literally an unbelievable signing because I just can't quite believe that he's going to be playing for Villa. Uh, but another potentially unreal signing for Aston Villa, it looks like it probably will happen, Lucas Digne. For some reason, Everton don't really seem to like him that much. He's probably too attacking of a fullback for... Rafa Benitez aside, and they know they could realistically get quite a bit of money for them. Um, for him, uh, he could be an absolutely unreal signing because at the minute they've got Matt Target a left back who's unspectacular, you would say. Um, Ryan, what do you make of this potential signing? Because it does look like it's going to happen. Yeah, um, I think it's definitely an improvement on Target. Like, I mean, he's okay, but like 
it's probably an area where they're they'd be looking to improve, so it makes sense. Um it seems odd. Um I gone by like just you know, reports off Twitter and stuff like that. It seems like Dina uh, fell out with Benitez to some degree. Um it just seem it seems odd like that you would you know, sacrifice Dina over Benitez. Like I know that doesn't sound great, you know, you don't want to have too much player power, but like is Benitez going to be there next year? Is he going to be there in six months' time? Like, I, I don't know, really. Like, um, So, yeah, it, it seems a bit odd. Um, I think Dean would be a great signer for Villa. Um, the Coutinho one's a bit more up in the air, I think, like what the lads are saying there. Um, but, yeah, no, I think Dean would be a great signer for them. Yeah, just after looking up there, uh, David Ornstein from The Athletic is after saying that it's basically progressing well, so it seems like it will happen. Uh, and he's it's, also said that Everton are possibly, it's not linked to that deal, but Everton are looking at possibly signing Anwar Al-Ghazi. I mean, he's It's on, right, on a loan deal, yeah. yeah. If, if Everton were selling Dinier to make funds for another transfer for and bringing in a cheaper left-back, I suppose I would understand it because the whole thing this season is they haven't had money to spend on players because they spent so much in the last few years. But they spent sixteen million on a lad who's played five games for Rangers, and they're spending fifteen million on a fullback from Dino Kiev as well. So it's not like they're selling him to free up unless they're getting thirty million for him. I don't think they are. I don't know. It's don't not like they're getting fun. much. Yeah, it's not like they're freeing up a massive amount of funds now to go and buy players and positions that they need to improve upon. No, and he's probably um, their best player like in the last two years or so. So yeah, it's a, it's a yeah. bit of a weird one. Yeah, another one that's sort of broken in the last few minutes again from the Athletic and from Fabrizio Romano. So you, you know this one's gonna gonna happen. Sendeira to Spurs. Oh yes, possibly. Uh, Chris Wood to Newcastle. Uh, this is pretty significant because I, I tweeted on the Bar Studios account during the week. Burnley are. Are donezo like they're done? Like it's kind of hard to believe, and they've lost Chris Wood, who's you know maybe not their best player, but he's right up there. He's a good goal scorer. Yeah, a bit of a bit of a mad one. Could be great for Newcastle because it provides him with a different option to Callum Wilson, and he scores goals. I think he's got double figures in each Less of the last four from. Premier League seasons. Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, good sign for Newcastle. Moment, I think as well. Yeah. That's the thing with Wilson. Wilson is, I genuinely think Wilson's one of the best strikers in the league, but he's never fish. Um, like last year, I think last year he still scored 13, 14 goals and he was missing for half. Uh, Chris Wood, again, I think he's got over 50 goals in the Premier League, which considering he's only been there for five or six years and been playing for Burnley the entire time. I mean, that's, that's a good return. Um, yeah, definitely. He just, he's a proven striker. I think, I think it's a, well, I think it's a good signing anyway. Yeah, it's kind of smart considering uh, like it's kind of what they need as well. Like I think like sometimes when clubs get taken over, there's always like a temptation to go for like a mad marquee signing, like a, a Rabinia or something like that. Someone that's maybe a bit past it, but like Woods actually a smart signing if they want to stay up this year, which it's no guarantee they will. Yeah, I'd be interested to see who Barney looked to sign as a replacement because there's there's no doubt they need a replacement. Um, yeah. Not looking great for Burnley. I, I do. I don't, I don't understand Burnley selling to a relegation. Like, yeah. let's be honest, Burnley and Newcastle are going to be down there at the end of the season. Where they go down, I don't know. But like, they're relegation rivals. I don't. I don't know why you would sell to someone, mm. especially Newcastle, who 
are struggling so much up front when Callum Wilson isn't there. I strange yeah. from Burnley's part to let him go there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, because like, what if he scores a handful of goals between now and the end of the season, keeps them up, you know, that almost definitely relegates Burnley. So yeah, it seems a bit odd, all right, yeah. Um, yeah, the only thing I could think of is that either they have someone ideal lined up, I don't know who that would be as a replacement, or they're just given stupid money from, which it's entirely possible. Newcastle's owners do seem... Uh, they do seem a bit stupid like I feel like they're going to have to get a few footballing people on the side like City did in the end but you know you look at City at the very start and they're throwing money at Joe and Robinho they just didn't know what they were doing so maybe they're just giving 30 million for Griswold or something so it, it could be that that's all I can think of because as you said it doesn't seem to make an awful lot of sense on the face of it um, and yeah I think that's probably all the transfer news for now uh, no doubt There'll be more next week. Uh, we're still early days in this window. Um, but I think now it's time to move on to the Neil Warnock Award. Of course, this award for general hero-ness and or shithousery. Last week's winner was Philip Anthony Jones uh, on his return to football. That was Ronan's suggestion. Um, I was shocked. I thought Roger was going to walk reference there as well, was it? Sorry? Atletico Mins reference as well there. The yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, yeah, and probably like uh, Bob Mortimer as well. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, Roland, you're sort of the reigning champ, so to speak. Uh, so do you want to give your nomination first? Man already mentioned on this podcast already. Steve Yago for that tackle about 20 seconds into the AFCON. Absolutely <laughs> beautiful. How he didn't get sent off, or I'll never know. Greatest tournament <laughs> in the world. Loved it. Just about got away with it because it was 30 seconds in. Not, yeah. not even. That is think. absolute definition of Leave one in there early. Let them know you're there. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, my nomination is more of a, an organisation rather than one person. And it's going more so on the hero side, like Philip Anthony Jones last week. Uh, I'm going to go for the national team of Comoros, uh, who are playing in their first ever African Cup of Nations. They're a small island nation off the coast of Africa, sort of near Mauritius and uh, Madagascar. They have a population of about 800,000 people. Despite gaining independence from France in 1975, they didn't actually set up a proper football team till 2003. Uh, and they co- caused a shock uh, to qualify for this, this tournament. Uh, they played their first game yesterday as of recording and unfortunately lost 1-0 to uh, Gabon, uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's Gabon, no less. And if you have a look at the stats, they... They did quite well. They were dominating the possession. And um, yeah, I thought that was great. Really small nation playing at their first tournament. And um, so my nomination is Comoros. Um, Ryan, who are you nominating? Um, yeah, so mine's AFCON related as well. Um, it's more, like you said, kind of on the hero side. It's not so much Chelsea. Uh, Pico Lopez. Um, so he's not had a look at this. He's not the first League of Ireland player to play in the AFCON. Um Roman Bocco, who played for Sligo a few years ago. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he captained Benin uh, 2011, I think, 2010 maybe. Uh, I think there might uh, might have been one other as well. But he's definitely the first person who is from Crumlin to play in the AFCON. And that's just funny. So I think that deserves a nomination. Yeah, Bocco, I think he used to play. Was there a, an English side he played for as well? Like he a couple, Stanley, I think. Yeah, 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 he had a couple different spells. Who were they? Uh, 
Exactly. <laughs> nice. One. Yeah, he played from like yeah, he played from three times across his career. Yeah, actually played for Portsmouth. Fair play. Um, yeah, fifty caps for Benin, as you say. Yeah, so definitely a heavily themed um African football podcast this week. Uh, all the nominations this week come from the Afcon. So Ryan's gone for Pico Lopez. I've gone for the nation or maybe federation of Comoros. And Ronan, you've gone for Steve Iago. Steve Iago. With um, three E's. That's too many E's. S T E E V E. Yeah, so you can, as I said at the top of the show, you can go over to our social media. Uh, we're Ashbar Steelers on Twitter, Ashbar Steelers Pod on Instagram, and you can vote over on the polls there to nominate or to vote for your nominated winner. Um, but now we're sort of the main event of the show. We're going to go for our greatest African 11 of all time. Now, there may be a little bit of recency bias here as we're all relatively young. And I'm sure there's some brilliant uh, goalkeeper from Benin in 1960s. But we're going to try and stick to players that we've at least heard of. And um, so, yeah, as I said, there might be a bit of recency bias. Was Grobler from Zimbabwe actually talking of? Well, that's a good starting point. We'll start the goalkeepers because I've got two nominations. Once one is Bruce Grabler, uh, who you met, Roland, who uh, I met and made me retake a photo with him because he didn't like how he looked in it. <laughs> and um, he's not really my nomination. Uh, another one is Enyema, just because he was kind of an OG Nigerian goalkeeper through the the noughties and twenty tens. He was the lad on, on Ultimate Team who you kept packing and he was just really frustrating because he was like a 78 rated non-rare and he was always useless. Uh, but yeah, he just seemed like he was in that game for years. Uh, he was Nigerian's goalkeeper for a long, long time. Uh, but my nomination has to be, I kind of did struggle a little bit for this position. It has to be, as I said, someone that I hadn't really heard of before this or at least didn't know too much of. I'll go for El Hadari. I do vaguely remember him because he actually played at the 2018 World Cup uh, in the last group game against Saudi Arabia. And he became the oldest ever player to play at a World Cup at 45 years of age. And he actually saved the penalty in that game. And interestingly enough, that made him the only African goalkeeper ever to save a penalty at a World Cup. Just thought it was an interesting stat and um, seems to be very well respected. And he, he won a different couple of different African Cup nations as well. So... I feel like he's a strong choice. I'm not sure if you have any others. The only other one was a recent one. So like Andre Onana, I think he's really good. And uh, yeah, it was it was a it was a bit of a struggle for this, and like not to make too serious a point, but kind of got me thinking. I was like, I wonder, like you often hear like sometimes that there's like bias against like African keepers, and uh, when I was trying to do this, it sort of highlighted, it and I was like, oh yeah, traditionally there maybe there has been, there hasn't been that many in Europe, so. Yeah, look, not to make too serious of a point, but it did just make me think about that. Yeah, Ronan, any names you want to stick in there? Uh, yeah, I very recency bias. I literally when you have Edward Mendy and Onana put down here. Yeah. Um, because I'm kind of happy to go for your option because it's just an interesting one. Who was it again? Uh, El Hadari. He was Egyptian goalkeeper for years. Um, a look up how many caps he has that's some insane amount uh, but as Ryan is the guest this week I'm going to give him the veto on the final veto on all positions for this 11 so 
Who, who are you going for? Yeah, no, I'm happy enough to go with that one. Egyptian keeper, yeah. Sounds good. Yeah, I'm just looking up his uh, his Wikipedia here. He's 159 caps for Egypt. And he won three different AFCONs. So, yeah, we're going to yeah. go there. So we're going to stick to a pretty classic 4-3-3 formation for these, these teams. Uh, in defence, again, right back was a bit of a struggle. So I have went for a recent one, uh, perhaps an unfair one. But this is a player who's already played for Real Madrid. He's played for Borussia Dortmund. He's played for Inter Milan. And he's played for PSG at the moment. And he's just after costing them around €80 million. Euros. So I'm going to go with Akraf Hakimi. He's one of the best right-backs in the world. Maybe the best right-back in the world. And yeah, I couldn't really think of too many other ones. Ryan, who do you have there? Yeah, I'd take Hakimi as well. I think that's fairly straightforward. Uh, another, other, like I, I would go for Hakimi, but another one I had, which who I thought was a really good player, was Lauren. That played for Arsenal. Um, played for Cameroon as well. Like I, I thought he was really good at like Party Invincibles. But um, yeah, I think Hakimi's probably... The, the best option. Hakimi's probably fair, but I I didn't I wasn't actually sure how we would I didn't know we were doing like what we thought was our best one or like our favorite African eleven. I kind of went for the best, but like yeah. your favorite kind of comes into it, doesn't it? Really? Yeah, the only fullbacks I had were um, I had a Bue, and then I had the only ones I could think and Ben Morse Stuacato, who I think was actually a left back. He was a left back, back yeah, yeah. But yeah, 30, I'm happy to go with Hakimi because then the only other right back I had was I had Victor Moses as well. Yeah, he's been I was kind of for a long time. Yeah, but if we're going purely on best, I mean it is Hakimi. Yeah, again, like so much ahead of him in his career, and I feel like he's going to have an un- absolutely unbelievable career. So, are we happy enough with Hakimi? Yeah, maybe a Bue for just for chaos factor, but like <laughs> Hakimi's the best, yeah. A Bue, a Bue at the North Koreans. So <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> he would have been the Neil Warnock Award winner if we were doing the podcast as nine-year-olds. <laughs> then going into the centre-backs, I suppose, naturally, I feel like a pretty straightforward one, perhaps you disagree, um, is Colo Ture. Genuinely a brilliant uh, player, as you said about uh, Laurent. He was a member of the Invincibles, won a couple of different Premier League titles. And there's kind of a bit of a shortage at centre-back as well. Um, and again, that's kind of highlighted by my next choice, which is probably quite biased because I basically think he's a bit overrated. But uh, Koulibaly, there's no doubt, and he's a very good centre-back. And that's a centre-back pairing I've gone for. Uh, Ronan, what about you? Yeah, I, I also had Koulibaly. Um, I had Matip written down, but I never really thought he'd get into the team. Um, Having a very good season, though. And then the other, other centre-half I had written down... Actually, I had Kolo written down as well. Yeah. And the only other centre-half I had written down was Sol Bamba. Pure, oh, yeah. Pure, pure Barclays. Better than Van Dijk, according to Neil yeah. Warnock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, peak Barclays. Um, other than that, no. There's nothing else I had. Probably happy enough with that centre-half partnership. Um, can't pretend I've watched loads of Kula Bali, but yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good. For some reason, I totally forgot Kilbali. Yeah, I think he's a pretty good show. Um, I have a bit of an older one who I can kind of remember playing. Who was really good was uh, Sammy Kufar off Bayern. Won uh, won Champions League. Played like a lot of seasons with Bayern. And older as well. Again, I can kind of remember him a bit. Just kind of gone more so off his career. And because he has grey hair, I uh, went for a Tariba West. As well, so um, but yeah, be happy enough to go with Kula Valley as well. 
Yeah, so what are we saying for the centre-back partnership? I'll, I'll give you veto on this one, Ryan. I think Torres is pretty solid. Yeah, I don't mind. Kufar, Koulibaly, what I want. Either or. I feel like we should go for Kufar just to kind of give it a little bit of, little bit of flavour. Can't <laughs> really enough. pretend to, to know an awful lot about the man, so yeah. No, nah, cool. I've only seen him a handful of times myself. But... Yeah, yeah. so Kolo Ture and Kufar. Uh, left back, I'm actually happy enough with this selection, if I'm being completely honest, because I feel like he was always a bit of an underrated player. Roland, you mentioned Victor Moses. He was a winger, convert, converted to a wing-back uh, by Antonio Conte. And I'm going to go for another winger that was converted to a wing-back on the other side, central to his uh, Juventus sides, uh, Kwabi Asamoah. He's kind of that player on Ultimate Team who, you know, or not on Ultimate Team, on FIFA if you're using him, he, he, was, he wasn't much use. But if you look at Conte's Juventus team, so important. I think him and Stefan Licksteiner contributed to something like 30% or 40% of um, Juventus' goals uh, when he was the manager in some way, usually through assists. And uh, yeah, just a really diverse player, just really, you know, honest and had a really good career. Um, so yeah, I've gone for Kwadi Asamoah. I have no other suggestions, if I'm being completely honest. Uh, Ronan, who did you go for? Yeah, the only, yeah, the only suggestions I had were Asuka and Fauzi Gulam, and that's only because I remember him being decent on all the team one year, a genuine year. <laughs> yeah, I thought this one was tough. Uh, I just couldn't think of loads. I had uh, Asamoah as well. Um, I was thinking Bobby Arrow for a player Chelsea going back a bit further. He was, he was pretty good, but yeah, I think Asamoah is probably the one to go for. Yeah, okay. So our defence is uh, Hakimi, Koloture, Kufor and Asamoah. Uh, then going back in, or going forward rather, into the midfield, this is where it gets interesting. There's possibly some disagreements. Um, I'm just going to go through some honourable mentions here. There was a player that, when I was researching for this, I have to say, I don't know a huge deal about, but uh, Abedi Pele uh, was a Ghanaian player. He won the Champions League with Marseille and he was nicknamed Pele, which kind of tells you all you need to know. Uh, and Brian, you were telling me something interesting uh, about him just before we started recording, actually. Um, yeah, so that's the same thing when I was researching. I just came across him as well. But his name, his actual name was Adebi Ayu, and he's like he's Jordan and Andre Ayu's dad. So yeah, didn't didn't know that at all. But yeah, by all accounts, seems like he's a pretty good player. Won Champions League once, got to the final the next year, I think. So yeah, he'd be fairly solid, I think. Uh, Ronan, have you any suggestions for the midfield? Yeah, I'll do my honorable mentions first. Just ones that I remembered down through the years. Uh, Kevin Prince Boateng, just a saucy baller, absolute streets won't forget. Play, mm-hmm. I feel like uh, my career as well. Yeah, Sully Montari. I was like, I yes. came across him. I was kind of looking at a few different squads just to to see who was there, and I came across him. I was like, geez, I remember him. And then one player that I absolutely loved at Celtic, Victor Wanyama. Oh yeah, absolutely baller. Scored in that win against uh, Barcelona. Didn't really do it at Tottenham, but scored a bang Anfield. Yeah, it was class at Southampton as well, though. Like, yeah. Absolutely awesome. My serious suggestions would be Yaya Torrey and... Was that... Oh, no. Yeah, and Michael Essien. I've got Essien, him in the yeah. midfield. Yeah. Very yeah. underrated. He was quality. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah, so I think Yaya Torrey is just like, just a shoe-in. Like, he's just yeah, he's... One, of, one of the greatest ever Premier League footballers. That 13-14 season in particular. Just outrageous. Uh, again, Michael Essien... 
it's kind of hard to see how he doesn't get in the team because as I said people forget how good he was in his prime and I think the other position probably falls down to either Abedi Pele or the man himself you know some people might think he's a bit overrated but JJ Okocha I mean just what a player like how could you not enjoy football watching JJ Okocha and so pretty strong there's a small enough pool I suppose but very strong nominees and uh, yeah Ryan uh, uh, once again I think I'll give you veto on this because there's one or two easier selections but um, but I'll, I'll leave it to you yeah I think I basically had everyone you guys had already mentioned um, the trio I went for in mine at the end was SEN Toure and then Adebi Pele and then I had just honourable mentions for Okoche and John Obi Mikel as well, who I just thought was really underrated. And he was like meant to be like, like when he was like a teenager, he was like one of the best, he was the best, one of the best players in the world for his age, had a pretty good career and just thought he was always a little bit underrated and ended up playing up until last year. He was playing with, with Mick O'Neill at Stoke as well. So yeah, he was pretty worth a mention, but I'd go for SVN Torre and Pele. Yeah, great. Okay, so uh, the midfields, yeah, yeah, Tura, Essien and Pele. Not that Pele. Um, now, going forward into the front three, this is where I feel like there could be some disagreements. Um, the front three I've gone for, first of all, Mohamed Salah. You know, again, he's still at the peak of his powers at the moment. He still has more chapters to write in his career. Just an outrageous footballer again. You know, when it's all said and done, he's one of the best Premier League players ever. Uh, another one, it's hard to say that he's underrated because I feel like everyone realised how good he was, but he can sometimes slip your mind a bit. That's Samuel Eto'o. Like, again, what, what a player. Just absolutely outrageous for Barcelona uh, and for Inter Milan for a bit as well. Um, fantastic. And then the other forward I've gone for is George Weah. Get some Liberian representation in this team. Ballon d'Or winner. Um, there's a lot of other names you could say. And um, perhaps I'll leave them to, to you to mention, but that's my front three. Yeah, I'd gone for Salah, um, Eto as well, and I'd go for Drogba. Which I always liked Drogba growing up, and I thought he was a brilliant striker. And he's one of the most disrespected footballers, I think, from that era of Premier League fo- footballers I've ever seen. Like Every time I see him mention on Twitter, everybody goes on about how overrated he was. I was like, none of these people clearly never watched him in his prime because he was unbelievable. And I loved him, but I would have no problems with George Weah. Um, I just, I, I just have a soft spot for Drogba. I think he was unreal. Um, yeah, I'm similar enough. I, I love Drogba. I think he's brilliant. But yeah, I actually didn't. He misses out just here for me. So I went Salah. Um, it's hard not to pick Salah. Uh, George Weah, like only African Ballon d'Or winner, so kind of had to go for him. I think. And then Etu as well, so um, similar to yourself, Connell. But yeah, Drogba, I, I really like Drogba, but he, he, his goal record actually isn't amazing. He only got like 20 goals a season, something like two or three times, but he was just such a big game player. But yeah, no, it just misses out for me. Yeah, well, so is Divock Origi, but you know, he, he's not getting any greatest of all time teams. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think I'm happy enough with that front three, the, the original one I said of George Weah, because he's a He's only African Ballon d'Or winner. Liberia is president as well at the moment. Exactly. Which is always funny when that happens. It's, yeah, absolutely mental. Um, and then Samuel Eto'o, who's just unbelievable throughout his career, and Mohamed Salah. 
Uh, again, obviously, honourable mentions to Drogba, to Sadio Mane as well. Um, I don't think he was ever really at risk of getting into a three, but an unbelievable player as well. Uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, especially considering he's from Gabon, which is not exactly a footballing hotspot, you know, not really in the in a good light at the moment, but again, very, very good career. And then a quick shout as well to one of my favourite players, Aldiana Gallo, just an absolute don uh, and uh, United legend. So yeah, that wraps up our team. Uh, the team is El Hadari, Hakimi, Kolo Toure, Kufar, Kwadi Asamoa, Yaya Toure, Michael Essien, uh, Abadi Pele, George Weah, Samuel Eto'o and Mohamed Salah. Uh, so really happy with that team, lads. But we're nearly finished with the show. All we have to do is the Mattia Flamini quiz to round off the show. And this week's host, or the quiz master, is Ronan. So it's going to be me against Ryan. So we'll we'll see how we do. Uh, so I'll hand it over to you now, Ron. Yeah, so these are all Afghan-based questions because I like to try to keep on theme when I am the quiz master. Uh, so you will not, you're not going to need pen and paper for any of these questions. Um, so first question, probably starting off with an easy one. Who won AFCON 2019? Algeria. Ryan got there first. I think so. Second question, who has, what country has won the most amount of AFCONs? Egypt. Yep. It's always a mad one because... Like I can't name that many Egyptian footballers, but they were they were incredible in that Nordies period. I think they had yeah. the strongest league generally, and so I think that helps. Yeah. Yes, one all. Who has scored the most amount of goals in Afcon history? Etu. Etu. Yes, uh, Connor got there first. Nice one. Um, yeah, complete just, guess that, but yeah, he was class. Yeah, he scored eighteen goals and won it two times. He won in two thousand and two thousand and two. Um. I did you had to say. Yeah, it would have been. Uh, I don't know how involved he was, but he has won it twice. So this one is going to be a sudden death penalty shootout. And because... Yeah. Yeah, so I'm going to let Ryan go first. Colonel. There are 40 Premier League players at AFCON. This is just... So if Ryan gets it wrong, Connell then has to get the next one right. So I'm going to let Ryan go first. Just name players. Uh, 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 Salah. Yeah. Mane. Yeah. Uh, Nabi Keita. I assume so. Yeah, he is, uh, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. he got man the match. Uh, Eric Bai, he joined up late, but he's there. Uh, uh, yes. Then Edward Mendy. Yep. Abamian. Yep. Uh, Czech Kuate. He... Kuyate, maybe. Sorry, I might pronounce Is, yes. Yeah. Uh, Thomas Party. Yep. Drissa Gay. From Everton. Uh, oh, shit, you went to PSG. Oh, <laughs> no. Of course you not. You have a chance to win it now, Connor. Oh, no. Uh, I'm going to go to a flex. Uh, one of the players to watch, I forgot to mention last week, Hannibal Mejbury. Tunisia. Uh, who's, who's he play for? United. Yes. Yeah, he is, yeah. Yeah. Great player. The full list here. Do you want me to name off all four? Absolutely of not. No, <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were kind of going to... I didn't even bat an eyelid when you said address again. Yeah, I don't know what that came... Jeez, uh, oh, I had like probably five or six more. I, but, uh, look. I, I probably wouldn't have questioned it either. Like if I didn't see the list, I would have been like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
So Cuddle is this week's winner. Um, the last question, I'm kind of glad we didn't get to because you accidentally ruined it on me earlier. The oh, last yeah. question was two countries are making their debut at AFCON 2022. Name one. Ah, well, who's I was just the other one? Uh, Gambia. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. I, would have, I would have just changed the question to what, the, what is the other team? Yeah. You said dwarves. Yeah, no, I would never have gotten Gambia, to be honest. I probably would have no. said Cape Verde because I think they're actually the smallest country. Yeah, uh, taking part. Yeah, no, Cape Verde's first was two thousand and something eleven, I believe. Yeah, now, I know Nani could have played for them anyway, so that, you know there's some sort of maybe some sort of footballing culture there. Um, obviously with uh, imperialism, um, <laughs> unfortunately. So yeah, I think that just about brings an end. Apologies to Ryan. Maybe I should have been a little bit more polite and uh, uh, let him win on his <laughs> on his one of his learned hard way. But uh, as I said, the League of Ireland show, we may well have you on again. So perhaps you'll get another another shot at it with a, a League of Ireland theme. Um, but yeah, thanks very much for coming on, Ryan. Uh, is there anything in particular you want to sort of plug to our listeners? Um, no, first, just thanks for having me. Um, no, not too much. Um, just if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at RyanCaban1. I po- don't post that much, but normally just if I write somewhere, I will post it there. So um, yeah, no, that's it really. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem at all. We'll make sure to tag you on the tweet and uh, we'll tag you on Instagram as well. Um, So yeah, thanks very much for coming on. And to the listeners, thank you very much for listening. Um, Hopefully the podcast will sound even better this time next week uh, as me and Ronan will have our new mics, I think. Anyway, they're supposed to be coming. Uh, So yeah, thanks very much for listening and we'll be back next week. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.